Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I am your host, Teresa Alexander Inman, board certified behavior analyst and infant toddler developmental specialist. So today joining us is Agape Garcia. Agave um, says to be your incredible self, right? Um, so best, so being your incredible self best describes her. She's tenacious, her tenacious attitude towards empowering others. Agape over the past 35 years has navigated through domestic violence, privacy, safety, vulnerability, and the mindset to endure personal adverse events in life. And oh my gosh, that to have come through that agape is amazing. I mean, you are a blessing, a gift, because now you're using your mess to become your message to empower others. So thank you so much for being here, ma'am. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure. I'm very excited to share some stories, life hacks, and tidbits to help anyone who's willing to uh, accept it. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll just get right into it. And yeah, so first tell us a little bit about your story. So to, just to give um, our listeners context. Sure. No problem. Um, so when you said over 35 years of uh, domestic violence, that is a fact. I was born and raised in a violent home. Um, the neighborhood I lived in was violent. So there was, even in high school, I had to walk through metal detectors just to get in the door. So violence was just something that was the norm. And it wasn't until I was in my later teens, uh, ready to have my, that I said, this is not the life I want to bring my child into. This is not the life I want to be around. And that's kind of where I shifted my whole mindset and understanding and belief system around what is healthy. And so I would say that eight years later, as a single mother raising my child on my own, eight years later, I tried again uh, to have a family. And this time it was much different. I was... In college, I was working towards my career. I had my own support system that was within, you know, a half a mile radius. It was, to me, I had my stuff together. You couldn't tell me anything. I was making everything happen that I needed to. And that's because, you know, my upbringing was rough. Not only was violence a part of my everyday life, but I also, you know, I also lost my mother when I was two. She packed her bags and left and left by herself. She left her kids behind. I say kids, meaning me and my baby sister. Um, unfortunately, about a year after my mother left, uh, my sister passed away from cancer, <sighs> which left me by myself. Um, you know, my dad was trying to figure out his life and trying to cope with everything he was going through. So the way he coped was working third shift and sleeping all day and really checking out. So it was me, myself and I. So that was that was my personal childhood. And then, like I said, after having my own child, I decided I wanted to give her a completely different life lifestyle. So 
that's why I was doing everything I was doing. Like I said, working full time towards a career in school, towards my bachelor's degree and, you know, just creating and providing the best environment possible. So when I, eight years later, when I was with my second child, I had moved across the country over a thousand miles away. And about three weeks later, my personal belongings arrived. And as I was unpacking, I found items that belonged to another woman. So I asked that evening what this was and why it was in my home. And I was accused of going through their personal belongings before I could even repeat myself. He was already on top of my pregnant stomach, straddling me while I was on the floor. He had his left hand around my neck with his closed fist, right hand, just punching me over and over again. I heard my daughter's voice. The, the rumbling must have woken her up. I heard her voice. I felt the adrenaline run through my body. I was able to thrust my hips towards the ceiling so hard that he rolled over me and I popped up as fast as I possibly could, grabbed her hand and ran out the door just like that. And my life changed within the matter of those 10 minutes. My life, my baby's life was almost taken. This was a double attempted homicide. It was completely unexpected. There were no red flags before I moved. I would have never moved if I saw if I saw any, felt any, even had an inkling that there would be any. Um, again, my whole success was in escaping the violence. So for me to now be in the most violent situation I've ever seen or heard, um, it was extremely devastating. And so not to take you down that path of my, you know, story in that horrific traumatic situation, but from that story, I want to talk about PTG. Everybody's familiar with PTSD mm -hmm. and we all know what it does to you and how it impacts you. And all of us have different responses to it. Obviously that was a very traumatic experience for me. And I absolutely have and had forms of PTSD. I believe I always will. However, there's PTG and PTG is post-traumatic growth. It's not something that you hear about often. It was actually discovered by two psychologists in the early 90s, Dr. Tajechi, Tadechi and Dr. Calhoun. And basically post-traumatic growth is when you experience such a psychological impact when it has just been turmoil the most said like traumatic experience of your life um when you go through however long it takes you to go through where it's no longer consuming every thought or every piece of energy throughout your day you start to become wiser from it you start realizing that you've learned lessons from that experience, you realize that not only are you wiser, but you're stronger in the sense of having that wisdom. I believe that wisdom brings you strength and not just strength in, in being wise, but strength in knowing where your boundaries are, strength in knowing who you're not, strength in understanding what you're never going to go back to, strength as in the ability to be independent and not return to vicious cycles within. And so with all that and me needing to apply that to my personal life, if I was going to raise my children to the best of my ability as 
you know, as a mom, if you're not right, your kids are not right. So you have to do everything to be right. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I want more people to understand that because they think more parents, more moms, because a lot of moms think, oh, well, I'm I'm not right. But you know what? I'm making it right for my child. But no, your child senses how you feel. Your child is seeing you and they are going to imitate you. They you you are the model for them. So I'm so glad you said that. Oh, well, yes. And thank you. And, and here's the thing, even when you're sitting there saying, Oh, yeah, I'm not right, but I'm going to make my kids right. Your kids are not blind. They're not deaf. They are seeing and hearing and they feel your energy. They're connected to you. They feel your energy. If your children are trying to take away your problems, your stress, your sadness, that means they're trying to take it away and take it on. They want it off of you and they're trying to put it on themselves. So if you are a parent that you're seeing your child try to comfort you and 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 take on that role, ask yourself if that weight, if that problem, if that level of stress is really want is really what you want to transfer onto your child. Because if they're asking and soothing and comforting you, that's absolutely what they're already doing. They're trying to take it away Wow! and take and, it on. Wow. And see, okay, I I got in the past that they were trying to take it away, but I never thought of them taking it on. That is so huge and doing such a disservice to the children because they're not prepared for that kind of responsibility. No, they don't even have the capacity to understand half of the feelings that mm -hmm. they're going through, let alone you. We're talking about adult stuff. <laughs> right. Wow. That, I mean, you've just really opened my mind to just, uh, you know, honestly, every time I do a podcast, I learn things and I'm learning a lot right now in what you're saying. And thank you so much for sharing that. Wow. Absolutely. Um, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. I was going to ask the because your daughter she witnessed the violence. How has that impacted her? So that is one of the I don't want to say great things that came out of it. There were several great things that came out of it, but you know, for for her specifically, she did not witness it. I popped up. I was able to get him off of me and get on my feet within five seconds of hearing her scared little voice calling my name. She oh. was upstairs sleeping in her room. It woke her up. So what ended up happening was she only had audible. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that evening it was, she doesn't have a lot of memory. She doesn't, she doesn't have the visual of, me being punched over and over and over again by instead what she has is the experience of having a mother that was on survival mode every day. I was not just in survival mode. I was also in mama bear protective mode. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was 100% all the time looking at the clock, staring at the clock. We got to get this done. This has to happen at this time. This has to be done over here. This has to be done over there. If I did not run a tight ship, 
I was not going to be able to handle everything that I had to handle. I had to figure out our living situation. I had to figure out, you know, bills. I was eight months pregnant. I left my job voluntarily. I had no family. I had no friends. This was a brand new environment. I mean, I had to reinvent my life overnight with a baby on the way and an eight-year-old looking at me. So the very, in the very beginning, you know, I did have support as it relates to the neighbors, obviously something that serious happening in a neighborhood, the neighbors are going to know. And I did receive support. I, I asked other mothers to please, you know, take my daughter with while they're playing at the pool or the park with their children so that she could continue her childhood and not have to be exposed to what I was dealing with. I was already repacking our stuff. I, whatever I could carry, I was putting in the car, hoping my water would break. I mean, there was just so many things that I didn't want her to see. And I was very aware of that, conscious of that, and made sure that I kept her in her childhood to the best of my ability. Now, beyond that, because there's these phases that we go through, right? You move, you move out. That's the physical side. You move forward. That's the mechanical day-to-day -day stuff. Like I was saying earlier, we got to wake up at this time. We got to get out of the house at this time. You need to be at daycare over here, at school over here, and and so on. That's that's the mechanics. That's the moving forward. Moving on is the mental and emotional, the internal. How are you thinking? What are what are you saying to yourself? What are you convincing? How are you healing? And, you know, one thing that I say, you know, to most parents that go through, you know, emotional turmoil is how are you feeding your children emotionally after you've been impacted so emotionally? Because when our kids are having temper tantrums, we go through this like internal checklist. Are they hungry? Did they nap? Are they just, you know, cranky? Maybe they're feeling what you're feeling. They just don't know how to express it. They're having a temper tantrum because they don't know how to express their emotions. And that goes back to how we're feeding them emotionally. What are we teaching them? They're watching. They're listening. It's the example we're setting. Right. So when you, so your way of teaching them is by modeling or did you do any extra things with your daughter to teach her, uh, you know, to give her that healthy emotional appetite? Well, I didn't know until she was in her twenties, ready to leave the nest that she felt that way. She expressed that she understood everything that I had went through, that she respects me for the you know, the helicopter mom that I was, and she appreciated me being there for her every second of her life. And she said as close as I was and as much around that I was emotionally, I was unavailable, even though she could reach out and touch me physically, emotionally, I just was not there. And at first I was appalled. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Do you know how much I've done or, you know, and I couldn't take it personal. I had to validate her feelings. They're hers. And I had to recognize that she was absolutely right. That my tight ran ship was all about the clock. We have to do this. We have to do that. This is what needs to get done. And there was no time. You know, I say there was no time, but of course there's time. If I'm reading a book and saying goodnight, there's time to bond. But for me, it was all about 
logic. It was all about protecting, providing, making sure that homework was done, not just theirs, but mine, the house chores, the thing, the, you know, the responsibilities that come along life as a mother, a single mother. <laughs> it was, it was so much. And so even though I learned how to multitask, even though I learned how to maximize every second of the clock, I knew, for example, you know, the washing machine takes 35 minutes, the dryer takes 45. Okay. And those 35 minutes that the clothes are in the washing machine, I can get 45 minutes in the dryer. So that 45 and 35, now we're looking at about an hour and a half. So I have a whole hour and a half of free time, not free time, of time that I can do things while the laundry is is in each machine. And I know after that, now it's time to fold. And what can I do in between? How long is it going to take me to fold? Okay. After I'm done folding, how long is it going to take me? Um, how much time will I have left in between the next load? How, and then with that much time, what can I do then? Is that cleaning out the fridge? Is that making lunch for tomorrow? Is that preparing breakfast? list. I mean, we all know the, as fast as I'm talking, the thoughts come, go, come and go even faster. Okay. Yes. <laughs> And so it's like you you're constantly on the go, go, go. And, you know, what I learned the hard way and obviously, you know, over a course of 20 some years, you know, you have to take the time out to emotionally feed. There has to be this balance. And as as much as I thought I had everything together because I was not getting evicted. I was able to, you know, make meals. I, you know, regardless if it was food from the 99 cent store, I don't care. I had food on the table. You understand? So as long as my absolute needs were met, that was my way of feeling like I was a good mom. That was my way of knowing or fulfilling that area in my life. Again, my mother abandoned me. So as long as I was staying in the cut, never leaving, I was showing my love. So it's a fine line. It's a fine line. And as adults with the capacity to understand the difference between, you know, emotional, mental, spiritual, and, and these different components that make us whole as a person it's making sure that we are walking in that. It's making sure that we are aligned with that. Because if we're not, we're going to be short. We're going to be snappy. We're going to be, you know, temperamental. And again, this or later in life, looking at it as if it's normal and accepting it from others or giving it to others. So Really, what we're doing is setting the example, no matter what it is. And, you know, what I think one of the biggest lessons here, one of the biggest messages here is, you know, you have to walk the walk. You can't just, you know, like expect our children to just get it by osmosis. We have to show them. We have to be that example for them in order to, you know, for them to build that healthy emotional um, you know, to build, to be emotionally healthy. Now, what are some tips that you can give parents to help them in that journey? Definitely. Um, communicate. You don't have to communicate on a grown folks level to your child. But for example, what I've done is for me, it was more life threat. 
threatening, right? I had real concerns about our lives being threatened. So what I did was I played games with my children, games of like, I spy. So for example, we're going to Walmart and I'll say, Hey, did you see that person about two minutes ago that had a baseball cap on? It was backwards, but their shirt was funky. It was orange tie dye with their like white shorts that had the strings hanging down. And did you see their purple shoes? What the heck were they doing with purple shoes? So what I was doing is I was teaching them how to have situational awareness and be able to describe what somebody looks like. And the only reason I was doing that is because in my mind, I was said, if they need to say, this is what happened to my mom and this is what the person looks like, I want them to be able to give a spot on description. And not only that, but for themselves as well. This is their protection as well to have situational awareness and be able to identify um, whoever, you know, and also hide and seek. We would play hide and seek around the house and I would give my kids, you know, certain spots to hide to make sure the other one never found the other one and make it super hard. But in reality, my hide and go seek game was if somebody breaks in, if something happens, if there's an emergency, go to your hiding spot. They didn't know that, but I knew that. You understand? Yes. So so when you're going through certain things and you really want to teach your child something, you can. You just, I don't want to say dummy it down, but you dummy it down from that adult level and you, and you dummy it down to that child. Hold on. Oh my gosh, that is so awesome. And actually it reminds me of a recent podcast that I did where, um, oh gosh, I'm sorry. I don't remember who I talked to, but she was talking about, you know, when, you know, helping children become mindful by having them observe things in the environment. So you were, what you were doing actually was twofold and you probably didn't even realize it. You were helping them to be mindful because they were aware of their environment. They were being present and while still working on a safety skill, which is amazing. <laughs> and it was for me and them, you know, I, I knew long, you know, in their life too, not just for, you know, right that second or me, it was for everybody. Yes, yes, that is amazing. And, you know, I just hope that parents, you know, moms out there, dads, because dads, you know, they are, uh, they've also been, you know, survivors of domestic violence. So, you know, just learning these tools to help, because again, when we go through what we go through, we're not always emotionally available to our children, because like you said, we're trying to keep them safe. And, you know, I actually was, I am a survivor of domestic violence as well. And I had two sons and you know, we had to do things to keep ourselves safe. I remember, you know, sleeping behind the door one day with the chair propped up because I was afraid, you know, you know, the door being broken down and, in, you know, so I totally get the fear and the safety thing. I was not as aware as you were. Um, but, you know, there were times I was like, you know, it's like, you know, we'd have to duck because, you know, we thought we saw somebody. It's like, oh, let's come over here, you know? And, um, but yeah, so I totally get it. And that's why I think this is really important because the last statistics I saw, and it's probably even worse now, but you know, one in four 
there are so many women um, who are in domestic violence situations. So many have left and there's so many who, you know, again, it's taboo, right? So people stay in it instead of getting out, which is healthier for their children. And again, there are just too many people, too many suffering in that situation. So thank you for sharing those tips with them. You know, just those small things that you can do. And honestly, the first thing to do is get out, but also have a plan before you get out. You didn't have a chance to have a plan because it was, you know, life or, you know, you were in a, a serious situation. So Right. Yeah. My situation. Yeah. And and we all have choices. You know, we all have choices. Um, Obviously, I didn't see that coming. Otherwise, my choice would have been not to leave home and stay where I was at. You know, um, but of course, I mean, you know, domestic violence is a very sensitive topic and it, there's many things that fall under it. It's not always just physical. It can be silent. It's, you know, it could be financial. It can be narcissistic. It can be spiritual, verbal. I mean, there's so many different categories that fall under that umbrella. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the statistics are one out of three women and one out of seven men are either in or have been exposed to a form of domestic violence. And, you know, it's really insane to me when if you're not married, then the domestic violence is a crime and the all professionals, all authorities cease contact, cease contact, do not stay in touch, put that restraining order in place, etc. But when it's family oriented, when the domestic violence is within a marriage or going through a divorce or the children are involved, then the then the whole tone changes. It's more of, well, find a way to communicate, figure out how you're going to raise the child and co-parent together. And you must figure out a way to stay in touch. And it it really sends mixed messages to everybody involved. And at the end of the day, you know, I've seen so many different outcomes as it relates to that, where, you know, the one parent feels like they don't have to listen to the court orders while the other parent feels like that as if they do the other parent holds the court you know orders as a as a leverage or a bribery or a manipulation and it just gets really messy what i like to say is that when you're out you're out stay out and because your can your mind has been conditioned for so long in a negative the the hardest part of moving out, like I said earlier, is the moving on where you have to retrain your brain and get to know the new you. And in all that, you still have to keep your stuff together to raise those babies right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and have and have that balance. It's not easy. No, no, that is a feat in itself, ma'am. Yeah. yeah. And I have, I mean, I have so many different programs that I can offer, uh, you know, under the umbrella, you know, being a mom with kids and of course, after moving out, how to move on mentally and emotionally. I have a boot camp on get your mental house in order, you know, realign your mental and your emotional well-being, even a six month, you know, thrive beyond the trauma boot camp where, and it's not a boot camp, it's an actual full-on program where I take you through the journey of post-traumatic growth because you can change. You can have a future that you are confident living in, a future where you are happy, that you're living a satisfactory life where you see your kids and healthy, 
They they're comfortable telling you whatever is on their mind without feeling like you're going to reject them or or put them down or you know just the things that we unfortunately do naturally without realizing that's what we're doing but when you're when you're more aware of your self and your emotional well-being you're definitely more aware of everybody that you love around you Absolutely. And that is so key. And that does not come easy for us. So how can people access that information from you? How can they get in touch with you, Ms. Agape? Ah, sure. I can be found at Be Your Incredible Self. It is all spelled correctly. That's BeYourIncredibleSelf.com, Be Your Incredible Self on Facebook and IG. I am probably going to start a TikTok because I know that's where everybody's hanging out. So I got to get to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Wonderful. And I just, you know, I'm just going to ask you one last thing before we sign off. If you want, what would you want parents to leave this session without? If there's one thing that you can tell them that you can stress to them, what would that be? Do not neglect your mindset if you know it's not in the right place, that's the biggest ticketed item you will ever pay a hefty price for, then there's no returns. Wow. And that is so true. I've learned recently that mindset is everything. Everything starts with mindset. So, Well, yeah, that's if you know what the placebo effect is, that's that's it yes, exactly <laughs> yes the medication worked because you thought it was going to work not you know it was a sugar pill and right. you, you know and it worked because you thought it was going to so our minds are that powerful and we just need to tap into that exactly and that's what i'm all about i am all about getting your mental house in order it takes six to 12 months to break a bad habit it literally takes 21 to 28 days to start creating a new one so for me instead of focusing on fixing what's not right i just focus on creating what is right because law of physics that positive will automatically replace the negative because that's where our focus is shifting anyways. Exactly. And because our brains have, you know, a pension of, you know, it's bent towards negative. It's really important to make that shift. Mm -hmm. And it's possible post-traumatic growth. Most people are able to, most people after a traumatic experience have a sound space of strength and wisdom that they uh, that they received or that they generated from that moment from that time in their life that's why there's so many great stories out here yes. that strength and wisdom from that from that crisis yes and you know we can either let you know bend and move on or we can be broken by it and we uh, we're here to help you not be broken by it right <laughs> That's right. And I'm going to, I'll close this out the same way I opened it. We all know what PTSD is. It all affects us. It all has an impact on us. We've all gone through some sort of scenario of it. But what brings us all together is finding ways to level up our coping skills so we can be better every day. 
Awesome. And I'm going to put an exclamation point on that one. Thank you so much for being here, Miss Agafi. It's been so much fun. I've really enjoyed you. Um, there's so much more that we could have talked about, and maybe we can talk about some more another time. Sure. I would love to be back. Yeah, there is so much we can talk about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's do it. <laughs> All right, we'll get it on the books. Yes. And October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So please, um, you know, if you can put this out, maybe the end of September or anytime in October, that would be awesome. Yes, yes. Oh, absolutely. That is a must. So we'll get it done. All right. Okay, wonderful. So thank you. And we'll see you again soon. All right. Okay. And I just want to say, though, before we leave, um, just again, people go to your website again. Just tell them. Be, be your, your incredible self. Be your incredible Okay. Be yep. your incredible self.com. Be your incredible self.com. Everybody has heard of the incredible Hulk, but there is an incredible she Hulk. She's been around since the 80s. She's stronger and she's smarter. And these superheroes are superheroes that have superhuman powers. Think about these guys and gals. They are triggered by their emotions. They become destructive when they get angry. The angrier they get, the more destructive they become. They don't like it. And they know when it, they know when they are being triggered and they choose to either convert into that monster or retreat to prevent that from happening. And that's something else that I talk about also is teaching you where your emotions live in your body. So you are aware when you're being triggered and you can control how you react. Instead, I show you how to respond. Wonderful. Oh my gosh. We're going to have to stop because I mean, we could just go on forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so much to unpack here. So thank you again for you know taking the time to be here to share with us, Ms. Agape. And we'll see you again soon. All right. Thank you for having me. You're welcome.